Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 125. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with TJ Horansky, also known as Oslo. Uh, some of you may recognize that name from the band Sleep On It. Um, he just released his uh, debut album. And so, yeah, we had to talk about it, you know, uh, had a great time talking with him about all things related to the album, as well as kind of making the transition out of um, the full band setup into this very uh, singer songwriter um, landscape. He wrote a lot of this uh, around the COVID time and, and whatnot. So there's a lot of influence with that. There's a lot that was recorded during like lockdowns and things. Um, and it's this really cool singer songwriter, semi conceptual album, um, that really, really shows off a level of talent with TJ that, you know, maybe people didn't realize he had. He's a multi-instrumentalist. Um, he, you know, recorded a lot of it himself. He uh, produced a lot of it kind of himself. Uh, he did work with with a producer to, you know, make sure that he was getting the best opportunity he could with it. Um, and we, we dive into that, obviously, as well. And... Um, you know, just a lot of really cool stories um, around everything. And it's just, to me, it's a album that I think people need to listen to, um, A, because it fucking is a killer album, but B, it's a great album to put on if you just need to have something to relax to and, like, let your mind just kind of slip away into these these expansive soundscapes, but they're not so expansive that it's like a meditation album or anything like that. But it is expansive enough that you can easily get lost in these tracks, and it's a really, really cool thing. So, yeah, let's dive into this. Uh, this is my conversation with TJ Horansky, also known as Oslo. Awesome, yeah. Uh, so to kick things off, I do start with the same boring ass question every time. Who are you? Uh, what do you do? And why are we having this conversation? Sure, man. Uh, my name's TJ Horansky. Um, I'm a producer, songwriter, musician from Chicago. Uh, and I have a solo project called Oslo that <clears throat> I just released, uh, my debut album of songs that I wrote, recorded and, uh, mixed myself so kind of what i'm out here promoting at the moment but uh yeah uh i played in uh, a couple different bands uh sleep on it uh being one a couple others but uh yeah out here talking about the solo album at the moment yeah yeah absolutely um and you know you mentioned you're from chicago i haven't got the chance to to watch it or listen to it yet but you just did the podcast with pop punk and pizza uh, who's a buddy of mine. So, you know, shout out to them. Definitely want people to check that out too. 
Yeah, yeah, Jacques is a good dude. Um, and uh, a real gentleman. He he bought me some pizza and we had a great conversation. Yeah, yeah, I love that that concept. And what better place? You know, Chicago, you guys are known for your fucking pizza. So what better way to do it? Yeah, I, you know, everyone talks about deep dish. Like, it's just, you know, that's all people want to talk about. But the real Chicago style is more like a tavern style. And um, I like deep dish, but it's not nearly my favorite. And I'm like, you know, people go on a crusade about it. Uh, I actually more prefer like, you know, tavern style or even thin crust, um, which you can find amazing all types of amazing pizza in Chicago, not just deep dish. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I've, I've said for a long time that Chicago deep dish is more of like a lasagna with a crust than it is a pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Truly like a cheese pie. Um, yeah. More than like a pizza in the, in that sense, sauces on top. It's cool. Like I've had some good deep dish, but it's like, that's like once in a while. Um, because then it just sits in your stomach like a rock and yeah, yeah. you gotta, you gotta like not make any other plans the rest of the day. If you're going to eat deep dish, it, it's like yeah. done. Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, just interviewed the guys from Thornhill, um, and they're from Melbourne, Australia, and they were up in Chicago on tour and they grabbed a deep dish and he was like, dude, I'm, it fucked me up. Like, I don't know what to do with myself now. Yeah, man. A lot of cheese, a lot of dairy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the kind of the obligatory side, you know, you've been in a lot of projects, sleep on it, probably the the most well-known. Um, so let's do the, the quick background because I don't want to take away from your solo project, but I think it's important for people to understand, like you've been around the block in, in the music industry, as far as like, you've kind of got to see both sides, everything from DIY, like what you're doing now, all the way through, you know, a relatively major record deal and, and constant tour cycles. Yeah, for sure. Um, so sorry, what was the question? <laughs> so the, I guess the main question just to kind of start with is, is on your background, like with sleep on it and go into like detail about like where you come from before the solo project exists. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So, um, I, you know, had my first bands with my buddies in high school. It was kind of interesting. I went to an all boys, like private Catholic high school. So it was very like a sports culture, but, and I enjoyed playing sports, but I really found music as like a calling. And, um, so I had a couple other friends at the school, and one of my best friends, Riley, and we we just bonded over a mutual love of certain bands. And um, we started writing songs together. And then we would play in like the high school battle of the bands. Um, and then uh, uh, we, at one point, went out to Baltimore and recorded with uh, Paul Levitt. We did an album. And that was like the first, my first like taste of being in a, in a, real studio and like a real recording scenario and being really pleased with the songs and how they sounded. And it was just kind of that moment of like, Oh, I can fucking do this. Like, this is something I can do. Um, sorry. I have like something in my eye as I'm like trying to tell this story. Um, You're all good, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I moved to Chicago 
to go to college. Um, and during that time, I met uh, some of the guys, Jake, who is the guitar player in Sleep On It. And um, that's when that ball kind of started rolling. So that was towards like the end of college. And then just spent like the rest of my 20s just touring, uh, started DIY and things kind of build, built up and grew. We got a different singer, then we signed to Equal Vision Records, and then we just toured all the time. Um, and then, yeah, COVID hit, and the band is kind of just, you know, taking a step back. And anyway, um, kind of like throughout all that time, uh, I've always like written songs that have kind of been like my own, that are sort of like a different influence, more like the indie, like folk acoustic side of stuff. So uh, some of these song ideas I've had around for a long time. And um, once COVID hit and like nothing was happening, I, I decided I wanted to learn more about um, the audio production side of things. I've been in studios. We've worked with amazing producers, but I wanted to understand more about like the technical side of things. I think, cause I knew I wanted to be able to like write and record and mix my own music right um, so that's kind of where that journey started and then um the solo album came together and yeah I, I was pretty happy with how it came out for that time period and what i was going through and um you know it feels good to have the album out and kind of just get the ball rolling and uh, i already have new material I'm working on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a really nice outlet and, um, been really, really happy with, uh, the response to the song so far. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously everybody experienced COVID in, in different fashions, depending on where they were and all the different types of lockdown and stuff, but Chicago was really kind of like military lockdown is, is the easy way to put it. Like you guys were for a long time, like there was curfew in place and like you couldn't really go out and do anything, even grocery shopping. It seemed like, how did that contribute to this need of an outlet for you? In a big way. Um, it was just like trying to like grapple and come to come to terms, like what was happening with the world. And, uh, it was, it was really difficult. It was, there were, there were times where it was fine. And then there were times where it was really difficult. At, at one point I ended up just going back to Ohio and staying with my parents for a few weeks. Um, and some of these songs that are on the album were actually recorded uh, in my parents' basement as like a demo that I ended up just being like, I just felt like I captured some kind of vibe of whatever I was going through in that moment. And I was like, I don't think I could, I could capture this again by re-recording it and having right. all this like extra production on it. You know, one of the songs on the album is literally just a iPhone voice memo. Um, so I kind of, I kind of liked that sort of rawness about it, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was very, it was a very isolating year and this is a very isolating sounding album. Uh, it's sparse. It's kind of it's vulnerable but i think isolated is really like the best word to describe it yeah no i i definitely agree with that and i think you know for for anybody that maybe is familiar with sleep on it um 
you know, don't come into this album expecting that sound. It's it's definitely, a, at least sonically, a step in a much different direction. Um, but I think the the cool thing with this album that I kind of latched onto is the relatability. Like, you've got songs on this album that everybody can just, like, sit and truly get lost in the soundscape and be like, fuck, you know, I was there. Like, I, I know what that feeling is and just kind of absorb everything. Yeah, yeah, man, totally. Um, I would say it's the most honest songs that I've written. Not that anything before wasn't honest, but this was just like totally me from start to finish. Um, just at a really, really like dark, difficult point in my life. Um, yeah. You know, even like listening back now, some of these songs, you know, I've had recorded for a year or two. Um, it's like, you know, so much has changed since then in a, in a positive way, you know? Right. You know, not everything is, you know, things are, it's a, it's a process, but uh, things are, have changed and have gotten better. But um, yeah, I, I just hope, some, you know, people can listen to it and, and kind of exactly what you said, just like take something from it and sort of like be like, I went through the same thing or I feel this way or just, just, you know, just resonate somehow, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I talk a lot on this podcast and I've got a, a second podcast called Musicians for Mental Health. And, um, you know, I talk a lot about using music as like a therapy and an outlet. And obviously it's not a, a substitute for therapy, but, you know, being able to release the thoughts and quote unquote demons, if you will, through an artistic format like this can be some of the most healing opportunity that you have. Yeah, man, I agree. Um, and uh, one of the songs on the album called uh, Placebo is about like at one point starting on a medication or just like dealing with like fucking anxiety and stress and it's just not really like doing anything or helping. And uh, I've always found like music is uh, a cathartic process for me. So it's like yeah. that helped, helped more than, you know, trying to, I don't know. Everybody has different experiences, but yeah, it was, you know, something, and I had never really like, uh, you know, met like medicated before, but it just, for me, it just didn't really help, you know, like it, right. I, I kind of just had to like, live through it and just kind of face it all head on and that's what i do with this album which is kind of like looked at a lot of like dark deep shit that i was going through and instead of just kind of pushing it down i was like i gotta i gotta turn this into something more positive yeah yeah no and i think you know again the beauty of this album uh for me is as someone that has experienced a lot of anxiety and depression in my life as well you know, you write about these pretty heavy topics, you know, there's definitely some undertones of some pretty dark stuff, like you said, but you do it without necessarily the music dragging you down with it. Like there's so much space to live in this music and it's not just deep, dark chords. It's almost an uplifting negative song. Yeah. And I think what you said about the space in the songs, um, kind of hits the nail on the head because uh, 
I think that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to, you know, when you listen to it, there's, there's space in these songs are not super dense productions. And that was very intentional. Um, I think a lot of the album, I just wanted it to feel like you were listening to somebody just sitting in their bedroom in lockdown, just really fucking not sure about anything, you know, right. Rather than like a big, huge production. Um, and they're in like, uh, the first single Loma Prita was the, it's the fullest production on the album. Um, but I felt like it was a good transition from like music that people have known me for into like, you know, the rest of this, this album that I was, you know, just honestly, just trying some different things. And, uh, it was an album I made for myself, really, you know, it's like, um, I wanted to do this for myself and prove to myself that I could after just going through some just really awful shit. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, <laughs> it, it is a, a really good transitional song, you know, if people have listened to sleep on it and, and some of the older stuff, like that song definitely is the stepping stone into this new world for you. And I think that, the thing that I I'm kind of drawn to, you know, you, you keep saying that it's not like super produced and I agree, but let's talk a little bit. You had Paul Levitt do this album, you know, like as far as the mastering side of it, the dude's done some incredible shit. So it's not, I don't want anybody to take, you know, us talking about it as, Oh, they're just strictly rough cut demos and you know, there's nothing to them. Yeah, no, for sure. There's, um, you know, he definitely thought put into the production. And like I said, I, I mixed the album and then I had Paul master it. So he kind of put his final touches on it and, you know, polished everything up and Paul, and Paul's a great dude. And one of my favorite uh, producers, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's like, how do I create this sort of soundscape that I want to and have it sound raw, but also not sound like trash, <laughs> you know? Right. So yeah. uh, it was a learning process. I'd, I'd never done anything like that. And um, I'm excited to make more music this way because I've, there's so many things that I learned that I would, that I want to, I'm going to, I want to build upon. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's, you know, for a, ironically for a first attempt, right? Like it's not really your first attempt at, at doing music, but it's your first attempt at this style and this, uh, type of production and, and mixing and things. Honestly, like for me, acoustic pop punk and emo is kind of where I transitioned into that, that genre escape myself. So like this album takes me back, you know, to 2003 in my head of like old Bayside and stuff like that, where I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, let's just get lost and feel. I love that Bayside acoustic album. That's like one of my favorite albums that yeah. they've done the one with um the winter and then the cover of megan uh, yep that smoking one. pope's cover yeah. yeah 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 um yeah that band was a big influence on me growing up and it's, they're yeah. still a great band yeah absolutely um so let's dive into the album a little bit one thing i don't do anymore because i've been doing this a long ass time and uh i don't want to take away from from any connection that people make so I don't necessarily ask like, okay, specifically tell me why you wrote this song or, you know, like 
specifically who's the girl that this breakup song's about or whatever. Uh, because obviously that's the beauty of music. Everybody's going to connect to it in their own way. But what I do want to do is talk about like building these songs, you know? So there's uh, 10 tracks on this album. Like you said, one's basically just a voice note that you uh, put some music with and everything. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, the arrangement and the intentionality that you put into building a song. So like, starting with with skylight as the album kicks off like in your head do you already know the track listing or the kind of the layout that you wanted to go or is it i wrote these songs and then i figured out where they fit in the puzzle i think for some of the songs i had an idea and i i i had an overarching idea in my head and i wanted to tell the story of like that year of 2020 and so with Skylight, I had kind of always envisioned starting with that song. And it starts off with like some like sound effects and voice memos and stuff of like uh, turning on a ceiling fan and you can hear like traffic outside the window and it, you're kind of, it's just kind of like waking up to this like new reality in a sense, I guess. Yeah. Um, and even the first line, I'm awake but afraid of the light that's shining in through the blinds. It's, it's kind of this like beginning uh, setting the stage for the beginning of this album and uh, what it's going to be about. Um, so, yeah, so there, I would, there's definitely like, a, you know, thinking about the flow of the songs, but also like how the story is being told as, we, as I kind of go, go through this year. And it's almost like some song, it's like seasonal almost. I feel like this, the first couple of songs are like spring and then we get kind of summery. And then towards the end of the album, it gets, it's, darker and it's like fall and winter vibes um yeah and i i was kind of like intentional with that sort of flow of like telling that's the story of that year um so as far as like uh the production then like building the songs um like being the only person doing it was such a uh new experience for me because it's just always been in a band with another producer and we have bandmates and <clears throat> um so it doing it completely solo it has its pros and cons um but i'm glad i did it so you know i, I tried out a few different ideas I, I think i pushed myself on just different like sounds that i normally wouldn't do um but i always just kind of like try to follow what the song called for you know yeah. like uh there's a a song called charcoal that's just me with finger picking acoustic guitar and one vocal you know it was like this i knew this song felt like it should just be sound like me just sitting in a room playing guitar rather than adding a bunch of other like elements to it but then like loma prita or a song called blood moon you know there's drums and it's a bit more like um indie emo influenced um so i had a lot of fun kind of like layering those things yeah. but it's different than my experience layering a bunch of like heavy distorted guitars you know which like i love that shit too but i i didn't want to just do the same thing again that i've done before um so it was like how do i achieve this vision in my head without using the same same exact tricks or right processes that i've used before yeah and, you know, 
for anybody that doesn't realize, I, I guess we got kind of deep in this before we, we mentioned this, everything on this, this album, you played yourself, you're, you're multi-instrumental. Um, so, you know, there's, like you said, it's kind of that double-edged sword, right? Like I have total control. That's great. But at the same time, oh shit, I have total control. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I hit that. Oh shit moment a lot. It's like, fuck man. Like, what is this good? I don't know. I, it's like, it's hard to keep perspective. Uh, I think, um, I don't know if I would do it exactly the same way again, but it was an interesting process and I learned a lot about myself for sure. Kind of just going through it, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Playing it, playing every writing and playing everything. Um, it was, yeah, it was fun, but it could be overwhelming too. Yeah. And I don't mean to, to put the negative spin on it. And I don't know if, if maybe there even is a negative spin on it, but do you feel like having done it all yourself that looking back, you're like, shit, maybe we could have filled in here. If somebody else would have been playing, like there would have been a different spin on a song or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, just writing with other people that certain songs maybe would have gone in a different direction or whatever. And I I've always enjoyed that too. Like having like a great producers or, you know, bandmates that you write with and you guys kind of have a similar vision. Like there's death, there's been so many times where somebody's taken this thing that I wrote and just made it way cooler. And I, and I really love that process. And, you know, we got to write with like a bunch of other, people when we were doing our album so like i love that collaborative process um so it was interesting to like try something totally different um yeah just uh i don't know it's just a different vibe a different sort of approach to the creative process so um yeah for for sure and i think you know like i said i don't i don't know like listening to the album i can't say that i can pinpoint any place that i'd be like uh you know like if they would have thrown in these drums instead or whatever that you know would have been better or whatever but i do think you know like you said there's that learning curve of well i i had all these sounding walls before and i had these safety nets that people could go man that's that's just not going to work or you know whatever to well i'm going to put it out and either people love it or they don't and i you know we're just going to live with it <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's exactly it and um yeah it's a little like uh frightening and actually it's pretty fucking terrifying but you know it's it was just kind of at the, at the end of the day it was just like this was a goal i set for myself this is something i wanted to do like my expectations were are you know realistic but i am just thrilled that i i made this happen and i finished it and it's like you know it's it's an outlet that i want to keep doing so it's like you build on it and you learn and um you know what you're going through changes and i know that like the next oslo songs are not going to sound like the songs that were on this album so um it was it was a learning process yeah well and i i don't think that the next set of songs needs to sound like this right like that's the beauty of music is it's a snapshot of where you were as a person in that moment in time and, you know, hopefully we never fucking have that same moment of time repeat itself because it was pretty fucked. 
knock on wood, dude, because I don't know if I could handle it again. That was some, that was some shit. Uh, yeah, yeah for sure. And I think, a, uh, you, you said the word snapshot and I think that, that sums it up really well and that describes it super well because it's very much a snapshot of like that time period of my life. And I had the songs and I think the album would have come out sooner, but I, didn't feel like I had the technical skills just yet. Like I was still learning the like post-production side. So I wanted to get better at that so that I would be happy with how it sounded. And that took a little bit longer, but um, I got to a point where I was like, I felt like I had enough knowledge and experience of like mixing that I could make this sound how I wanted to. And so that was like just as rewarding as actually writing and putting out the songs themselves. It's like the more technical side. It's like, I am at a point where um, I can write, record and mix and just do everything right here. And that's kind of like liberating in a way, you know, it's like, if I have a song, I can just record it and put it out, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's also, um, it's more economical, like um, to just kind of have this like one-stop shop. And then from here it's, I've, you know, I had people reaching out. It's like, oh, like I want to work together um, help me like write this song or produce this track or mix this track. And, you know, that's what I love doing. Uh, I love working with other artists too. So, um, it's cool. It's a part, it's feels like a part of like, a part of the big picture of, um, what I'm trying to, to do. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned loving working with other artists. So, that's a, a really good segue. You had uh, some guest vocals with Molly Coleman on this album. How how did that come to be for you? Like, did you just know when you wrote those songs, like this needs an extra touch or was it kind of a in review, like ah, there's a piece missing? For the songs that she's, well, for two of them that she's on, I, I had envisioned having like a female vocalist and then uh, she also sings on the bridge of Loma Prita. And that was kind of like a last minute thing. That was like, oh, this will sound cool. Um, but Molly's awesome. And I think she just has a really cool, like unique voice. And um, one of my friends had, had known her and like showed me her music. And I was like, oh, she's, she's awesome. And she's based in Chicago. So um, that was really cool how that worked out. And um, she killed it. And I think her, her voice sounds great on those songs. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, for anyone that hasn't checked out the album yet, that's going to be Albatross and If You Were Here, Then I'd Be Home, which falls towards the end of, of the album. And you said, you know, that's kind of the, the fall and, and winter time period of the album if we're looking at it from a seasonal standpoint. Um, you know, and I don't, I say this with the utmost respect because I really don't think it's an intentional, like, oh, I'm going to try to write a song in this fashion thing. But that song makes me think of old school dashboard confessional so fucking much. And like, it's such a cool vibe that, that you pulled out of that. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's another one that uh, the demo really kind of just ended up being the final recording. Um, yeah, that's I had that song actually in my pocket for a few years. And we had talked about doing it as like a sleep on it song, but the guys were like, this is just your song. Like, I don't think this would work as a, you know, a song for that project. So I thought that was cool of them. Um, 
so yeah, so I demoed the song when I was uh, in the middle, uh, beginning of COVID, back home seeing my parents. And uh, again, I, that's something that it just captured a certain vibe. And there's a lot, there's like sound, there's like noise artifacts and it's not perfect, but it was just how I was feeling. It was just the vibe at that time. You can actually, at the beginning of the song, you can hear me like kick like a bag of pretzels that's on the ground, like <laughs> as I started tracking. So I don't know, I just thought that's, that stuff was kind of cool. And then, uh, yeah, having Molly sing harmonies on that, um, it was super cool. Yeah, yeah, no, and that, again, you know, that's something I loved about this album is that there are those Easter eggs, if you will, like if you are willing to invest the time to really listen to the songs, there's so much stuff happening in that soundscape. Um, it is very atmospheric and like very airy, but there are little nuances that, you know, there's a little bit of extra reverb because you're not clipping on your, your production and things like that, where, Oh, that note actually, you know, reverbs out and he goes into the next drum or whatever versus like hard clips. Um, and it's, it feels especially with the song content that you have, it feels very authentic. And, and like you said earlier, vulnerable. And I love that because I think, especially coming out of COVID, it's what a lot of people need. But I truly, I've said this a hundred times on this podcast that I truly believe, you know, the more authentic and real you are with your music, the more longevity you'll have, the better fans you'll have, the more like engagement that you'll get. And you know, that's ultimately what it's about. Like, obviously, yes, we want to be millionaires, but ultimately, as long as the support's there to, to support your craft, that's all you need, right? Yeah, and I think, like, sometimes uh, people, how should I put this? Like, I think fans and lovers of music can tell when somebody's being genuine. Like, it's, you know... It, it, it's apparent it's like it's hard to it's like an x factor it's hard to describe exactly but yeah when you're when you re are really going through it and, and believe in what you're singing or saying or whatever it's like you know the music just translates in a certain way that it wouldn't otherwise so um that's something that I've always, I've always tried to be conscious of and never tried to to be something that I'm not or something that's just like trending at that moment you know um, right it's just, that's not what music is to me. That's not what songwriting is to me. So, you know. No, and the, I do think you're right. I think it's apparent and, you know, like we don't have to necessarily name drop anyone, but turn on a top 40 radio station and you can see who like puts out music that they actually care about, that they've actually written, things like that versus the cash grabs. And I know that this will trend for a TikTok sound or whatever. Um, and there's a very clear difference in those. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so diving back into the album a little bit, um, Displaced was a song for me that I think I related to the most. Like, I think it's a sleeper track on the album that a lot of people, maybe the first time they listen, aren't going to give it the love that it actually deserves. But that is such a... And maybe it's because of, you know, the shit that I went through during COVID as well or whatever, but like fe that feeling of, do I belong in the 
the place that I am and, you know, am I displaced from where I'm supposed to be um, is a really powerful and, and fucking terrifying feeling. Uh, talk a little bit about what went into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was one of the songs that was also written early on and also just demoed in, in the basement and that, that demo ended up making the the album. So that's the version that I hear. Um, that was in the, you know, probably like the summer of 2020 in the middle of COVID. Uh, everyone was terrified. Nobody knew what was happening. And then it was also a lot of the um, social, you know, issues that were going on uh, in our country and across the world. And um, there's a line about civil war in my front yard. And it just, you're seeing, you know, there's so much anger and so much injustice happening. Um, it was hard to not be affected by that and just feeling like, kind of like what you said, like, where is my place in all this? And where should I be? And what should I be doing? And, you know, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That was, mm -hmm. yeah, I was gonna say, I, I think that's, you know, I went through a career change coming out of the COVID years. And I think a lot of people during COVID, it, it gave us time, whether we wanted it or not, to be alone with our thoughts, as dangerous as that was for some of us, but really gave us the opportunity to self-evaluate. And, you know, am I happy where I'm at? Should I be doing something else? Like, what is kind of my calling? And, you know, for you, obviously music is one of your callings. And being able to say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do, but but how do I how do I maximize my potential within this or how do I impact people with this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh that is kind of where my interest in learning how to like mix and you know, like I was saying that more technical side was like that's always interested me, but I never had time and I never had the ability to like really learn that. And I don't know if I ever would have otherwise, but now it's like, <clears throat> you know, it's a really big part of my life and a part of my income and like um, having like a home studio here and being able to work with like people has been amazing. And I love doing that. Like, you know, I, I remember, you know, when COVID hit people's being like, you know, my mom saying, she's like, there's going to be silver linings and it's, it's impossible to see right now. And it's like, going to look back and, I just felt like no matter what, this was something that I wanted to do. And I didn't know what the future was really gonna look like, but it it's my passion. It's what I love doing more than anything. So, you know, I, uh, I sort of faced some harsh realities and just kind of faced my own anxiety and shit and kind of married the two of like, oh, I've always written songs. So, you know, I wrote songs about what I was going through, but then I was able to have this like understanding of like how to actually properly record them and, and uh, you know, get them out to the world. Yeah. And, you know, you've said it a few times, so I, I'm curious if you think maybe this is part of it, that, you know, you had the, the anxiety about doing these songs and being this vulnerable and, and kind of your, your skill level with some of it, obviously, you know, you, were relatively untrained for lack of a better term 
when it comes to post-production, but how much of that do you think looking back now was authentic and, and genuine versus like imposter syndrome stepping in and saying, Hey, you're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Po- imposter syndrome is real for sure. Um, I think even, even more so than the production is like every project I've ever been in or any, every band I've ever been in, I've never been the singer, the lead singer, which I'm totally okay with. You know, even a lot of songs that I wrote, the, the lyrics and the melodies for them, I'm, I've always written lyrics and melodies, but I've never been really the one, you know, behind the lead microphone. So that was the most difficult uh, hump to get over for me. Um, always just being like really self-conscious about my voice and like, you know, whatever, you know, I've never loved how my voice sounds, but, uh, I just knew like these songs and just how vulnerable they were and just how personal they were. It's like, I just, you just got to do it, you know? So that was getting past that imposter syndrome of like not feeling like a singer at all. And then not feeling like I knew what I was doing from production side. Um, yeah. But yeah, at some point you kind of just, at least for me, you just kind of just be like, fuck it. You know, like, you know, this is, I have this goal and I, and I love doing this and, you know, what's my alternative is like not make, not make this album and then just, you know, so, um, yeah, yeah, man, it was, um, there were some difficult times of just kind of grappling with that. And I think no matter what you do, you know, any job or any pursuit there's going to be a bit of that imposter syndrome um but i think if you can like acknowledge it and not let it um consume you or like hold you back is really yeah yeah no i i definitely agree i've had that you know with this podcast and um you know i've i've been doing music journalism for 18 almost 19 years now probably um and when I started this podcast two and a half, almost three years ago now, the same thing, you know, I'm like, shit, am I good enough or whatever? And I'm eventually I talked myself into like, dude, you've already been doing this for 15 fucking years. You're just putting it out in a different media, you know, like it's the same thing, just doing it different. And I think what it is, especially for those of us that, you know, struggle with different mental health things, such as anxiety and depression uh, we talk ourselves into being the background character in our own story, you know, like everybody else plays a bigger part than what we play. And you, like you said, you kind of have to eventually look at it and go, fuck that. Like, it's time for me to be the main character without being the toxic main character. But like, it's time for me to take a little bit of control and show people what I actually am capable of. Yeah, man, that, that's really well said. Um, and that's very much, you know, describes kind of like what I was going through and why I wanted to make this album and, you know, why I wanted to, why I had this, this goal I wanted to achieve. Um, it's, it's like, for me, it's, I don't like being, uh, the center of attention and I'm not like, you know, I like being social, but I'm not like, uh, you know, an extrovert all the time or whatever. So it's like to kind of be like, Oh, you know, I'm the main main character in the story and you know and then promoting it it's like um it's something that doesn't come super naturally for me like yeah 
the the creative process does. I love I love that. I could do that all day. Um, but being like, you know what, I I do. I have to like tell this story, and I have to kind of put myself out there. Um, it can be difficult, but it it is important because it's like your identity, um, and you have to, you know. I, I think there's a constant search for identity of who we really are, but you kind of just have to like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, where I was going with that, but yeah, uh, not, not, not I, losing I, it, not losing yourself and just, uh, being confident in your, your identity and proud of who you are. Yeah. I, I think it goes back to, like you said about kind of taking that control, you know, like, again, we talk ourselves into, like for you, oh, I just do backup vocals. I just play guitar, you know, whatever to like, well, but fuck that. Like I only just do those things because that's all I need to do in that project. But like, I'm capable of so much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I think that's a lesson that anybody can apply to like these uh, roles or restrictions that you put on yourself because like, oh, it just is this way. It's like, it's not, you know, it's, you're only limited by what you tell yourself or the story that you tell yourself. So, but it, it, it it's still terrifying. Like it's not easy. So um, if anyone is, is listening at this point, then if there's, if you're, there's something that's like freaking you out and you're unsure that you want to go after, it's like, you just got to go after it. You, you have to, you, you have to just kind of trust yourself and, um, you know, find out who you are, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of as we, we transition over to the, the wrap up portion of the podcast, um, obviously, like you already said, you've got some new stuff kind of in the works. Um, probably not any major plans as far as releasing new material yet, simply because this is only, a, you know, a month old at this point, not even a month old at this point. Um, what does the remainder of 2022 look like for you though? I'm obviously doing as much production work as you can. Um, but is there plans even in the Chicago area to start performing as Oslo and kind of see what that looks like? Um, not really any performance performing plans, although I would, I would definitely be open to it. I think like the direction that I've, I'm already going in with new stuff that I'm writing, it'd be a bit more like, um, more of like a full band sound. Um, so I think once this album, great places was, was written and recorded with not considering the live show. Like it's, it's kind of all over the board that there's different (laughs) tunings. I'm like, I don't even know how the fuck I would play these songs live to be honest. Uh, so that was not like in my psyche, but I think like some of this newer stuff, I think it's something I'd be a bit more, um, conscious of. So yeah, who knows? By before the end of the year, would love to play some shows. Maybe they'll happen. Um, and like I said, the this album, a lot of these songs were written, you know, a year ago, some even two years ago. So um, I already have some ideas and kind of <coughs> the balls rolling on some new stuff. So uh, I'm hoping to get some new stuff out sooner rather than later. Um, definitely by before the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of. With that mindset, as you you move forward into this 
full band uh, kind of concept, or at least, you know, some guest uh, appearances. Um, what would you say, like, in a perfect world, who are some people that you'd like to collaborate with on this type of a project? It's a good question. Um, I would say the project is a bit more like indie influenced and there's a lot of great indie artists um, that, well, that I've been listening to lately, at least. Um, there's a great band called Daywave that I've gotten into. And then there's some, there's a Chicago artist uh, or Chicago band called Slow Pulp. They're great. Um, but then also, you know, for this type of project, like, you know, Phoebe Bridgers, Julian Baker, like those type of artists in the world, I think would be really cool. Um, uh, so I guess something along those lines, you know, but there's uh, a lot of artists outside of that sort of genre that I would also be super interested in collabing with. So, you know, um, like, uh, I love my favorite band of all time is Yellow Card and uh, love to like do something yeah. with, uh, I've always loved Ryan's and he has a solo project that I think is great. And, um, you know, so that would be a really cool collaboration, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yellow Card's actually my favorite band of all time as well. Uh, I've interviewed I, Ryan a few times and they're just amazing. I, I knew we were friends for a reason. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and then they've got, I don't know if you've you how much you've kept up on it but ryan and josh have jetta which is another project that they're doing yeah, and releasing I, music through so i think it's ryan and ryan uh mendez the two you're Ryans. right you're right it is it is ryan and ryan you're right um, um yeah it's dope like it's i love uh a lot of that like instrument instrumental style there's a lot of artists that i really dig and it's like Lot, but you know, a lot of people who love Yellow Card might not get into it, but I think it's really cool. And I love Ryan's like uh, solo stuff. He put out an EP, mm -hmm. a couple EPs, and um, he's just always been uh, a big inspiration for me. And um, yeah, it's I'm I'm happy to see them, see him making music, and then they're they're playing Riot Fest, so yep. uh, Ocean Avenue, which is like that's the that's the album that it just started everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the first like real pop punk albums that I ever, you know, picked up and like it, it came out at the perfect time for me. Um, it came out just shortly before I lost my dad. So then like view from heaven, obviously hit home and one year, six months ago, miles apart. Like there was so many songs that I was like, fuck, like they knew what was happening in my life and wrote this shit for me. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I still love that band so much. Do you have a favorite album? Um, Honestly, Ocean Avenue, but the acoustic version of Ocean Avenue is probably my number one. Um, Life of a Salesman is, I think, my top song from them just because, like, it really, you know, after losing my dad, that song resonated so much of, like, you know, tell me what it means to be a man, dad. Like, I need guidance, and that song just hit me so fucking hard. Um, and even though like critically it didn't do as well, lights and sounds is an amazing fucking album. It just got shit on. I, I love that album. Um, it was a, such a drastic departure from the sound of their first album that I, I think I understand, like it just didn't hit with a lot of people who just love that certain type of sound, but dude, it has some of my favorite songs. Like 
Yeah. And it, and it, all their albums just hold up for me. You know, it's like, yeah. there's a lot of other artists and bands that I listened to that I listened to at that time and just don't hold up as well, but it's like, it's, they're just good songs, you know, and they're, they're, you know, they connect and they're genuine. And I think that's what any great artist is able to achieve over time. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hopefully that, that collab happens and, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see some form of Oslo and Ryan key, uh, collaboration. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, you're, you're in the right, you know, I think you're in the right genre space for him to like want to be a part of something like that. Cause he's done so much acoustic songwriter stuff himself that like, that's where he feels at home. I feel like. Yeah. He's, he's a huge star Wars guy too. So I feel like, yeah. we, you know, we would have a lot to talk about <laughs> for sure. Um, so obviously I'll link all the socials and everything, but where can people find you? What's the best way to interact with you online and kind of what can they expect? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, my socials like Instagram, Twitter, it's just at TJ Haransky. That's what I use for the project as well. Um, the album is on Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, it's on Bandcamp now. The uh, uh, album's called Great Places. Um, and yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. So if you just search search the name, uh, it'll come up. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Um, you know, definitely think that we'll uh, cross paths. I'm not, you know, three hours-ish outside of Chicago. So not too hard for me to get up there and check out a show or, or, you know, link up to do one of these in person. For sure, brother. Yeah. I would love to do that. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, Josh. Bye. See ya. And that was my conversation with TJ. Hope that you guys enjoyed that. I definitely did huge shout out um, and major appreciation for him to take the time to have that conversation with me um and give us all the you know insight and kind of details around the album and what goes into producing this album as a mostly diy uh project and being a multi-instrumentalist um you know essentially writing it all himself and being the one to put all the pressure on himself and play it all perfectly for for what he needed and you know, going into those details about how not trying to overproduce it, you know, some of the some of the songs definitely have that rawness to them or that just slight feel of maybe it wasn't produced as as much as some people would have, but it was intentional because it lends itself to the song. And I just really respect that, that it wasn't an attempt to make this perfectly polished, um, you know, album or whatever, because it would have taken away from, I think, a lot of the, the songs and the content. So huge shout out to him. Like I said, as always, we'll have the social medias and everything linked in the description of this podcast. So be sure that you jump over, give TJ a follow, like, share his stuff, um, make sure you stream the album. All of that is obviously absolutely free, but definitely uh, as he gets out and starts some tours and things like that, make sure that you're showing up to shows because it's uh, obviously super important for artists in general, but especially when they're doing so much of it themselves, um, that support really, really goes a long way. So 
Uh, other than that, check out the shop, uh, youmakethescene.com slash shop. There are some new merch products up. We are still working on some new designs. Um, I've said it a couple episodes now that basically I had a designer lined up for a couple things. They ghosted me and bailed. It is what it is. Not a huge deal, I guess. But um, yeah, so some of the designs got kind of put on a back burner. Uh, if you or someone you know is a graphic designer, illustrator, artist of any sort uh, that would like to potentially collaborate on some t-shirt designs and things like that, definitely hit me up and we'll see what we can work out. Um, concert season is in full swing. Uh, I have been crazy busy if you've been following me uh, doing a ton of concert photography lately, which is awesome because it's one of my favorite things to do uh but you know i want to make sure that you guys know as well uh to protect your fucking ears um eargasm earplugs i do not get paid as an advertisement for them uh, i do receive a small affiliate commission if you guys go and purchase something off their website and use the promo code you make the scene you get a 10% discount on your order. So every time somebody does that, I get a very, very small uh, commission off of that. So that would be super dope if you would do that. Plus, legitimately, they are the absolute best earplugs I've ever used. Uh, I didn't use earplugs for a long-ass time. I fucked up my hearing because of it. So now I definitely try to use them any chance I get. Uh, anytime they're needed, you know, and I wouldn't talk about them if I didn't truly believe in them. If you guys notice, I don't often talk about products on the podcast anyway, so other than my own merch. So that's got to say something about, you know, how truly invested in these I am, and I, I really believe in that product. So as always, guys, be sure that you like, share, subscribe uh, to the podcast, our Instagram, Facebook. Those are the two that we're most active on. Um, would love to hear your thoughts on this album, maybe what song resonated with you, things like that. And that's everything for this week. So, um, I will, I'm planning on, let's put it that way. I am planning on maintaining the, uh, weekly releases. I have a ton of stuff in the vault, if you will, but I will be, um, going to my, heart support mental health gathering in the first full week of July. So uh, there will be a little bit of potential downtime or deadness uh, when it comes to social media for me during that time. But uh, rest assured, episodes will still be going live and all as well. So thank you guys so much. And remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And you make the scene.